Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, all right, all right. Man, I tell you what, after praise and worship like that, you almost get tempted just to say, let's all stand and be dismissed. I'm not going to do it, but let's, you know, we kind of get tempted to do that. Welcome to The Rock of Gainesville. Glad you guys are here today. If you're in the auditorium, we welcome you. If you're joining us online, we welcome you also, and thank you for being with us. What a great day to be together. Everybody said? A good day to be together. And you know what? Thank you so much for praying over our teams that are overseas. Uh, Franco and his group are down in Colombia, uh, Peru. Uh, Dr. John and John Jr. are in Colombia. And we have a team led by Pastor George that's in Honduras with our dear, dear friends, Jimmy and Jessica Hughes. And look, look guys, I got to stop and just make a declaration of celebration. After two years, we don't have one team on the field. We got three. And one of them is led by Pastor George. Come on, let's worship Jesus and say, thank God. Yeah, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One of those teams is led by Pastor. What a great, great day to celebrate. And so we are so thankful for God's faithfulness. Come on now. Thankful for God's faithfulness and his goodness in our lives. But as they are gone, I am here. So <laughs> and, if, and if I haven't met you, my name is Pastor Ron, and I'm glad to be with you today. Here's what I want to talk about. This is the subject of what we want to discuss this morning. Here it is. Listen carefully. Peace or panic? What's it going to be? Peace or panic? What's it going to be? Now, this word that I want to kind of share real quickly with you today goes all the way back to probably four or five weeks, probably the first week that Pastor George shared fear, faith, and COVID. Because it was that particular Sunday that he, at the end of the service, had many of us stand and prayed over us that we're dealing with some level of fear or panic in our lives. And I am the pastor that Pastor George threw under the bus. I was the one looking around. <laughs> and I think he told you that. And as I was looking around, I got to be honest with you guys, as I was looking around at us standing, wanting prayer over some level of fear, I, I actually, I was kind of astounded. I was taken back and surprised. I didn't realize, and maybe it was just an oversight on my part, I didn't realize the number of us that we're dealing with some level of fear or panic. Now, let me stop right there and say this. Just because you and I are dealing with some level of fear or some level of panic, that does not make us evil or weak. It makes us human. Come on now. It makes us human. Because here's what I have come to realize. As I have kind of rolled back the pages of those past few weeks, and thought about what I saw in the auditorium that morning, here's what I have come to realize. I really should not have been surprised because you got to hear me right here. The aim of an anti-God culture is to create an arena of fear and panic that will fracture your faith. The aim of an anti-God culture is to create an arena of fear or panic 
to fracture your faith. That's what they want to do. They want to create this arena of fear and this arena of panic because they, they want to get your eyes off of the things of God and look at, look, get a little, be looking at the things of the world. They want to get you to kind of lose focus, so to speak, so that your faith is robbed and you're looking at what's going on out there as to what's going on in here. And it robs our faith. We become kind of what I call Galatians 3 Christians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? You know what that word bewitched really means in English, where we get it from the Greek language? It means this, who poked you in the eye? Who poked you in the eye? Oh, foolish Galatians, you crazy Christians, who are you allowing to poke you in the eye? Have you ever been poked in the eye? Kind of messes you up for a little bit. Everything gets a little fuzzy. Everything gets a little blurry because your vision has kind of been robbed. And that's what, an, uh, I'm sorry, an anti-God culture wants to do. It wants to create an arena of fear and a doubt and unbelief so it robs you of your faith. So I'm going to begin with this question. You guys know I always start with a question. Here we go. Here's the question. Am I going to abide in a kingdom culture or am I going to abide in a carnal culture? Which one am I going to abide? Now, I'm going to talk a lot, and I talk a lot, we talk a lot about culture today. I understand that, and it's necessary. But this morning, I don't want to talk about the culture that's out there. Because it's not going anywhere. It's going to be here. And I deal with it, but it doesn't really affect me. Why? Because I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. So I don't really want to talk about that culture that's out there. I want to talk about the culture that's in here. What kind of culture am I creating in my own personal life? Now, here's why I say that. Get this definition of culture. Write it down, please. A culture, or culture rather, is a combination of what I allow and what I create. Culture is a combination of what I allow into my life and thereby create in my life. If I allow a spirit of fear into my life, I'm going to create a culture of fear. If I allow a spirit of panic in my life, I'm going to create a culture of panic. If I allow a spirit of pride in my life, I'm going to create a culture of pride. So culture is a combination of what I allow in my life, thereby creating in my life. And now what I told you a second ago still stands. What an anti-God culture wants to do is create an arena of fear in your life. So you create, I create a culture of fear in my life. Literally scared of my own shadow is the way it ultimately comes out to be. Now, how many of you would agree with Pastor Ron and understand that not all of fear is bad? Not everything about fear is bad. There are, there are parts of fear that's okay. Because here's what you and I need to understand. Write it down. Fear is a great indicator, but it is a terrible dictator. It's a great indicator. It lets me know fear will have this effect on me and let me know that something is going on around me that I need to be aware of. I need to put my antennas up. So it's a great indicator. Let, let me illustrate it to you this way. 
If I'm going hunting on Saturday morning and I'm walking to my deer stand, and as I'm walking to my deer stand, I look down and there's a big old cottonmouth moccasin. What do I do? Y'all know what I do. I get scared to death. Why? There's two kinds of snakes I don't like. That's a male and a female. So come on. So if there's a snake there, I get my antennas go up. I got to do something about it. So what do I do? I conduct that snake's funeral. I don't... I don't turn around and run back and jump in my truck and drive home. I deal with that thing. Why? Because it has indicated me that that could be dangerous, but it's not going to drive my life. Why? Fear is a great indicator, but it's a terrible dictator. And so what we've got to understand is I can live in one or two kingdoms, the kingdom of God or a carnal culture of panic. Now, in order to get this point across, here's the Bible backdrop. I want to use this morning. It's a Bible backdrop that all of us are very, very familiar with. It's the story of the three Hebrew children. Don't you love these guys? Come on now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Man, it it took me years and years and years of Bible college just to learn how to say those names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I love this story. And here's the Bible backdrop. The nation of Israel is in Babylonian captivity, a literally a decadent society. And they're being governed by Nebuchadnezzar, a deranged leader. Come on now, does that sound like 2021 or what? That was my out loud voice, sorry. (laughs) A decadent culture, America 2021, a deranged leader. You fill in the blank, baby. And that's kind of what's going on. But here's the thing that I love about Israel. They are in Babylonian captivity. They've lost their family. They've lost their familiar. They've lost their future. But they never lost their faith. Why? Faith feels fear, but it never allows it to become Lord. They feel, look, you feel fear. I feel fear. There's nothing wrong with you and I feeling fear. Faith feels fear, but it never becomes Lord of my life. It doesn't rule me. So I, I gave you the illustration, I think, I don't remember when, it doesn't really matter. Last time I was up here, of Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of the missionary. Husband killed in the jungles by savages. And she said every day she got up and put her feet on the floor and felt fear. Watch this now. She felt fear every day, but I did it anyway. I'm going to feel fear, but I'm going to do it anyway. So here we go. How am I going to make sure I live in a kingdom culture of peace and not a carnal culture of panic? Here we go. Peace or panic? Number one, write it down. Real peace does not panic in the moment. Real peace doesn't panic in the moment. Now listen to Pastor Ron. Your moment right now may be a moment of hardship. I'm not making light of that. It may be a moment of pain, 
not overlooking that. It may be a moment of extreme difficulty. I'm not overlooking that, but listen to me and encourage you this morning. It's just a moment. Sooner or later, this thing's going to go away. It's just a moment. Real peace doesn't panic in the moment. It's just a moment of time that you and I are walking through, and there's no reason to panic because sooner or later, it's going to change. Look at Daniel chapter 3. Then, remember the principle now, real peace doesn't panic in a moment. Here we go. Daniel 3 verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. Look at verse 5. As soon, right away, immediately, don't think, don't respond, react. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lair, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, as soon, immediately as you hear that, you got to fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever, watch this now, whoever does not fall, fall down and worship immediately, the moment, react, don't think about it, do it right away, immediately, that person's going to be thrown into the blazing furnace. Real peace doesn't panic in a moment. Make, come on society, come on culture, make those idle threats at me today. I serve an eternal God. Mm. I serve a God that's never, ever, ever going to let me, let me down. So I'm not going to freak out in the moment. I'm going to keep on following God, even though it's an immediate, a momentary threat. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's look at the scripture here. What was disturbing their peace? Well, if I look at it, what I see is really I could boil it down to this. It would be idolatry. Because here's what Nebuchadnezzar says, or here's what the people say. Immediately, if you don't bow down and worship this, this idol of gold, this image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar has set up, you're going to be thrown into this blazing furnace. So what's disturbing their peace? Idolatry. Now, here's what we've got to understand, guys, because I think a lot of times we get the idea that idolatry, when we talk about worshiping idols or idolatry, we automatically allow our brain to go to a time that's way, 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 way back in the past. That happened a long time ago. We're not worshiping idolatry today. Oh, really? Come on, somebody. Idolatry and worshiping idols is alive and well in the United States of America in 2021. I'm going to prove it to you. What is an idol, Pastor Ron? An idol is anything I have to check with before I say yes to God. An idol is anything. It may not be an image of gold. It's anything that I've got to check with before I say yes to God. That's what idolatry is. Now, just for a second, let's talk about the idols that are out in society. What are they? Well, we could name a million of them, quite honestly. You know that, and I know that. But I've kind of narrowed it down just a little bit for time's sake, and let's look at them. The idols in society, money, power, control, I'm sorry, greed, sex, all kinds of things that literally create idolatry in my life. But again, guys, that's or those are idols that are out there. And we're kind of talking about that, but really I want to talk about what's in here. Let's talk about idols in me. How about the idol of security? I, I really like my safe life. 
I really like how I've got everything set up and nothing is really disturbing me. So anything that comes in that wants to disturb my life and mess me up or my family up, I'm going to kind of keep out there at, ha- at arm's length. So that idol of security, I don't want to mess with. The idol of our comfort. Now come on, we like our comfort zone. And everybody said, if you didn't, Revelation 21.8, you lie, you fry. So... We like, I do, I do, guys, I like my comfort zone. I like the place of, of everything feeling really, really good, but it can become an idol. Pastor Ed, I really want to serve in, in jam, but you know, it just really messes up my schedule and it messes up my lifestyle and I really want to be an usher, but I got to get here a few minutes early and it just messes up my whole idea of what I like in my lifestyle. We like our comfort zone. How about... How about the idol of control? (laughs) Me and Melissa are on the same page. I want to skip right over this one. This one hits way too close to home for Pastor Ron. The idol of control. Hey, look, we we all deal with it. Come on. Don't we? Now, Now, come on, listen. There's a good side to control, is there not? There's a good side to control. I remember one time when Blake was a little fella, he called me one day at the office and he said, hey, Dad, I need $175. Well, well, you're messing with one of my other idols right now, my wallet, so hold on, let's, let's, let's talk a minute. $175, what for? And I heard him say this, hey, Mom, he's asking what for? To which I heard, here's the good side of control, Here to, to which I heard, never mind. <laughs> There's a good side to control. But when I get to that place of it becoming an idol in my life, and I've got to control every little thing in every situation, it becomes a real dangerous place. So how do I change my perspective? My perspective of this idol for the moment, because if I give in to an idol for the moment, it has the ability to affect me for a long time. I've got to change my perspective. You know, one of the things I love about these three Hebrew guys is they had a short life, but a very long view. They hadn't lived very long, but they weren't going to give in to the idol of a moment because their perspective was, I serve an eternal God. Come on, guys, it's just a moment, it's going to go away. It's just a period of time. It's going to change. And how do I know it's going to change? Let me give you a Bible background to prove it. This too shall pass. It's going to change, man. It's just a moment of time. Daniel chapter 7 says this, he was given authority and glory and sovereign power and all nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. It's not a momentary dominion. Matthew chapter 28, and I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Not going to be with you for a moment, guys. I'm with you for the end of the age. And 1st, 2nd Timothy chapter 4 says this, keep, oh, I love this one. Now, come on, keep your head in all situations and endure hardship. Don't freak out of the moment. It's just 
a moment, it's going to change, and it's going to change for your good. Why? Because he is doing for you exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. So it's going to be peace that doesn't freak out over the moment. Number two, here we go, write it down. Real peace doesn't need, you know what, the more I've gone back and looked at this point right here, I think this is my favorite one. Because it is so true about the day that we're living in. Real peace, look at it now, real peace doesn't need a crowd. My peace is not contingent upon what that group out there is saying. My peace is not contingent on everybody agreeing with me or me agreeing with everybody else. My peace is not contingent upon everybody liking me. Now I want you to like me, to know me is to love me. I want you to like me. But my peace isn't contingent upon the fact that you like me or dislike me. Why? My peace is not contingent upon the voice of the crowd. It's contingent upon the voice of God. That's where my peace is going to come from. And when an anti-God culture, watch this now because this is powerful right here. When an anti-God culture begins to come together and they all say the same thing, they may not use the same words. They may not use the same language, but they basically begin to say the same thing. Their theme lines up. When they do that, when that anti-God culture begins to say the same thing, watch what happens. Because this is exactly what happened in Daniel chapter 8. Read it with me. Here we go. Because of rebellion, the Lord's people, because of what? The Lord's people and the daily sacrifices were given over to what? Exactly, and it prospered in everything it did. Watch this, because keep in mind, we're talking about a a crowd that's all, an anti-God culture that's all coming together and saying the same thing. Look at the result, the last phrase is this, and truth was thrown to the ground. That anti-God society begins to all say the same thing, and it demolishes truth, or let me back up, it attempts, attempts to demolish truth. Look, guys, that culture out there can say what they want. They can breathe what they want. They can declare what they want. I am not allowing the truth that is in me to be thrown to the ground. I'm standing for truth no matter what. Yeah, go ahead. Come on, somebody. Let them say what they want. Has zero effect on me. And you know what? It didn't have any effect on those three Hebrew guys. And I love those guys for it. The whole the crowd out there, it says it right here in Daniel chapter 8, the crowd out there is breathing rebellion and they're standing firm in their convictions. They're standing firm in their convictions. Now why is that important, Pastor Ron? Write it down. The convictions I live by today will result in the story I tell tomorrow. Hey, when did this happen, guys? When did this story that I'm reading to you in Daniel chapter 3, when did it happen? It happened thousands of years ago. We are still telling their story today. Come on, somebody. We are still honoring them today, and the story happened thousands of years ago. And the convictions that you live by today will determine the story, the testimony, and the truths you herald tomorrow that flow out of your life. And what's going to happen years and years and years and years from now, your children are going to be be declaring how you honored God. 
your grandchildren are going to be declaring how you honored God. All kinds of generations, Psalm 145, are going to be declaring how you honored God. Why? You did not give in to the convictions of today. Somebody ought to say yeah. Mm. Mm. Daniel chapter 3, look at this, I love this right here. This is a great scripture that talks about what I'm talking about right here. Daniel chapter 3 verse 16 says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, watch this now, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. Quack, 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 quack. Speak, 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 speak. Say what you want, 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 want. I'm not defending those actions. I'm standing firm in who I am, serving an eternal king. Not backing up. Look at this right here. This quote by Craig Rochelle. I love this because it illustrates what I'm talking about so so well. A quote by Craig Rochelle says this. Christians who live out who they really are. Who are you really? Who are you? Who are you really? You are a child of the Most High God. You are a daughter of an eternal king. You are a son of a covenant-keeping God. You are an heir of God, a a joint heir, rather, with Jesus. That's who you and I really are. And when I live that way, watch the result. Here we go. When I live that way, I no longer fit into the expectations of others But I burn, now I know we're talking about a fiery furnace, but that was an accident. (laughs) But I burn with the realization of who the Father says I am. Let, Let it burn, baby, come on. When I live the way God has created me to live, I don't fit in the expectations of a culture that's out there. I let God form a godly culture in here. A godly culture in here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, watch this, I love this part right here. Then, if I come to you, or if I don't. If Apollos comes with me, or not. If Barnabas comes with me, or not. If Timothy comes with me, or not. If Peter comes with me, or not. If I've got a big crowd, or you're feeling, come on now, how many times have you been serving God, and you are not alone, but you feel that way? Am I the only one in this game? Have you ever felt that way? I mean, we we have, come on, let's be real, we have that feeling. But Paul gives us an encouragement, whether there's a crowd there or not, There is a God that has your back and is supporting you. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. Whether I come to you or not, I know that you will stand firm in the spirit and strive together as one contending for the faith. Whether there's a bunch shouting, yelling, supporting or not, you're not in this by yourself. I don't need a crowd to make peace alive in me. Number three, and I'm done. Here we go. Number three, write it down. Real peace. Real peace conquers the fire. Real peace conquers the fire. Now, let's be honest, guys. It's heating up out there. 
Is it not? Am I talking to myself for just a second? Heating up out there. Society is heating up. We are facing things, dealing with things, hearing things that I never, ever, ever dreamed I would be facing two years ago. Confronting things that I never dreamed I would be confronting five years ago. You know, I've said this a lot of times, and I hope you hear my heart here. Please, please hear my heart. Say, I hear your heart, PR. If I knew what I was going to be dealing with in ministry today, if I knew it in 1985, I would have gone to Puerto Rico and been a beach bum. I would have cashed this thing in, except for the fact, now let's make it good now, here we go, except for the fact that every day when I deal with the craziness of life and the craziness of ministry and the craziness of you, every day I don't worry about it. Why? Because I know I'm not doing it by myself. I'm doing it with the Father. And when I sit in an office with someone and I don't have an answer, it's okay. Holy Spirit is the best counselor. Holy Spirit's always going to be the best counselor. But, but look, let's, let's be real. It's, it's blazing out there. It's crazy out there. It's heating up. But here's the cool thing. Real peace conquers the fire. Daniel chapter 3, look at this. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied together, fell into the blazing furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, oh, you're about to shout right here. Come on, somebody. King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into that fire? Oh, you're about to shout. I can tell. Weren't there three men? tied up that we threw in that fire and they replied certainly master he said but look i see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed and the fourth looks like the son of god come on somebody come on somebody and then here's my favorite part nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted shadrach Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Listen, I, I don't know what your fire is. I don't know what your moment is. I don't know what your battle is. I don't know what your hardship is. I don't know what your challenge is. Listen to Pastor Ron. I'm not ever, ever, ever in a million years going to make light of it. I don't know what it is, but it's only for a season. It's for a moment, and you're coming out of that thing in Jesus' name. Now, now here's, here's, here's to me the beauty of it. Until, until you get out of it. And that could take some time. Let's be real. But until you get out of it, you're, you're not walking through the fire alone. There's another one in the fire. 
And so what I've got to understand is this right here. I don't sit around. I don't need to sit around and say, oh, I wish I wasn't going through this fire. It's okay if we do that. You're not going to go to a testimony jail. I understand. But you know, we don't sit around and say, oh, I wish I wasn't going through this. God, take it away. Why do I have to face this? Quack, 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 quack. I don't have to do that. I don't need to do that. I shouldn't do that. Why? Well, get the principle right here. Every second I spend wishing God would take away the struggle is a forfeited opportunity to be an overcomer. I'm wasting time. He's going to take away the struggle. It's a moment of time. He's going to renew it. I'm, I'm sorry, remove it and make all things new. Look at James 1.12. I'm almost done. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is so very fortunate. For such persons, loyally in love with God, here's your reward. It's life and more life. It's life and abundant life. It's life and a continual giving of life. It's not just a moment of the gift of life. If I could say it this way, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's, a, it's not a momentary gift of life. It's a continual blessing from an eternal God. Now let me ask you a question. Because we haven't been talking about fires out there. We've been talking about fires in here. So what are the fires in here that I got to put out. I'm going to I'm going to stand firm and I'm going to deal with the fires that are out there. I haven't forgot about them. They're not going to affect me, but I haven't forgot about them. But there's a fire in here. There's fires in here that I've got to deal with. What are they? Number 1, the fire of self. I got to deal with the fire of self. And what I got to understand is Paul gave me three verses in Romans alone, Romans 6, 7, and 8 to understand how to deal with the fire of self. And here's what he says. That fire of self literally is opposition to God. So what I've got to understand is don't be fooled. What does the Bible say? The Bible says the heart is deceitful, so who can know it? So don't be fooled. Walk in wisdom and discernment and understand what you need to do to put out that fire of self. Number two, the fire of Satan. Listen to me, guys. Don't be intimidated by the father of lies because that's all he's doing. He's lying and greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Don't be intimidated. Stand as Paul says, and he told Timothy, like a good soldier, like a good soldier, stand firm. And then number three, put out the fire of sovereign. What do you mean by that, Pastor Ron? I thought God is a sovereign God. He is. But he is a God, he is the God that rules over my life, not me. I don't rule over my life. I am not sovereign over my own life. See, we've got this idea in society and in the world today that I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my ship. No, I ain't. No, no, I, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not God and I wouldn't make a good one and neither would you. I'm not in that position. But when I try to rule my own life as if that law, that word, those principles don't apply to me, then what I end up doing is I end up doing something that we don't need to do, and that's be stubborn. Listen, guys, yield your heart to the Father. Give your 
desires over to the life of God and watch the beauty that he creates in you. Don't be stubborn as if it doesn't apply to you. You know, real quick. I was sitting at uh, the intersection of Newberry Road and Parker Road the other day. And for those of you that have known me for a while, you know that's not a real good intersection for me. About 12 years ago, it, it, it was ugly. My mark's still on the pole. Next time you sit, you sit next time you're at, on Parker Road and Newberry Road, next time you're sitting there, look at the light pole that's to your right. My mark's still on the light pole. I made a mistake, pulled out in front of somebody. A guy hit me in the side. Five days later, I woke up in the hospital of Shands, and I still don't remember a thing. It wasn't a pretty day. So when I so the moral of that lesson is this. When I sit at that intersection now, I'm real, real, real careful. I take my time. So I was sitting there the other the other day, and this lady's in front of me, and all of a sudden she turns and she makes a U-turn. And she makes a U-turn right in front of the sign that says, no U-turns. I mean, she could have reached out and grabbed it with her hand. And she made the turn anyway. That law right there doesn't apply to me. I control my life, not the Alachua County ordinances. So I'm gonna make a U-turn regardless of what that says. And as she did, she almost created an accident for about four or five other people. What's the principle, Pastor Ron? When I am stubborn and I don't obey God, I don't just affect my life, I affect everybody around me. So put out that fire of stubbornness. Put out that fire of stubbornness and yield over the things of the Father. Stand with me. I've asked the band to come sing a song. It'll be a familiar passage. I'm sorry, a familiar song. Come on, guys. And here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to just sing a song. There's nothing wrong with just singing a song. I want you to make a prophetic declaration today. As you sing this song, I want you literally to declare out of your mind, I'm in the fire, but I'm not in it by myself. There's another in the fire with me, and he's going to stay there and help me until I come out of the fire. So I want you to make a prophetic declaration today as you sing this. Come on, let's sing together.
over you in God's kingdom right now in Jesus' name. I speak a spirit of boldness over you right now in Jesus' name. I declare over you the ability to stand firm, rooted, and grounded in God's awesome love and power. And as the battle continues, as the battle goes on, as the battle rages some days, there is the peace of God that passes all understanding that's going to rule in your hearts by Christ Jesus. And I speak that over you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, give the Lord a big ovation of praise. All right. Come on, let's give him one more shout of praise. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.